0: How are we all today? Well, Pastor missed my offering. I wasn't fast enough. How are we all today? Are we blessed? Amen. Truly falling in love with Jesus is the best thing that I've ever done. Um, We spent three weeks talking about giving the gift. The greatest gift that I have ever received is to realize that, The Savior, the creator of the whole world, loves me. There's nothing that I needed to do to earn that love. There's nothing that I needed to do to warrant that love. He just loves me. Um, Even when I was in my wretched sin, in my wretched state, he loved me. And his love is unending, it is unfailing, and the best decision that I ever made in my whole life I've made some really crummy decisions in my life, and I've made some good decisions in my life, but the best decision that I ever made in my whole life was to fall in love with my Savior. Um, And we're going to talk about that a little bit today, but we're going to talk about our New Year's resolution. Oh, I knew you would love this one. I knew you would love it to the person that I'm looking at. So we're going to talk today about a resolution. What is a resolution? See, there's so many things that the world has tainted and given a bad rap to. Merry Christmas is one of them. And we talked about that for three weeks. The most wonderful time of the year has gotten a bad rap because of the world. Society has tainted God robing himself in flesh and coming to seek and to save that which was lost. And the church, the church of the living God, has gotten the bah, humbug, grinch spirit about the most wonderful time of the year. How warped is that? Now, I'm sorry if that goes against your personal theology. But the time of the year when we can finally say to people, Merry Christmas! And they don't go, How dare you talk to me about Christ? And we bah humbug it. Hello, McFly! Maybe I shouldn't say that expression, but I'm not up on the platform, so I'm semi-safe. But hello! Hello! Now, what is wrong with a resolution? Pastor talked this morning in leadership training. For those of you that got up out of bed and decided to be resolute about becoming a leader in the church of the living God, you heard him talk about being disciplined. That's what being resolute is. A firm decision to do or not to do. To be or not to be. That is the question. Shakespeare didn't come up with that. God did. To be or not to be. I'm either going to be or I'm not going to be. That's what Christianity is all about. That is what a resolution is. So every year, well, first of all, when I went down in the watery grave of baptism, I got a new chance to decide to be or not to be. I could either be the old Pam or I could get up and walk in newness of life. Praise God, I got a new chance to resolve, to make a firm decision to do or not to do certain things. So every year on January 1st, I get an opportunity to resolve, to make a firm decision to do or not to do certain things, to start some things over again. Does it have to be January 1st? No. But it's just kind of a good time to do some evaluating. Sit back and ask yourself, how was 2018 for you? Do you need to change some things? Do you need to put up some new boundaries in your life? If you haven't read that book, I'm putting in a plug. It's excellent. It's Boundaries. It's an excellent book. Everybody should read it. Boundaries. Boundaries, just like the fence line in your field. Boundaries. It's an excellent book. Not a book for wimps. But do you need to put up some new boundaries into your life? Yeah. Do You need to change some things. So how was it? Do you need to resolve? People make grand resolutions to start the year off. Some people resolve to eat better, to have a healthier heart, to lose some weight, to work more, work less, save more money, spend more money. No, probably no one resolves to do that in their mind. But to read a certain number of books, to exercise more, to exercise period, end of sentence, to you know, we all make these, not all of us, but some people make these great grand resolutions. And there's nothing wrong with making a resolution. The problem is is that most people start off with a great, you know, whom right out of the shoot, And then it just turns into fizzle, fizzle, bloop, 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 by the second or third or fourth day. No, <laughs> whatever, a few weeks, a few Days, months, whatever. They forget all about what they resolved to do. Either because it was unrealistic to start with or it was something that they had little interest or desire in. They just got on the bandwagon with everybody else, you know. I'm going to pray every day for 17 hours. Now, come on, folks. I'm going to get up every day at 2.30 and Really? You probably are not. I only know one man that does that faithfully. But, you know, be realistic, folks. So I want to talk to us this morning about a New Year's resolution that I would like to propose for all of us that are listening. All of us. All of us. I'm going to challenge all of us for this New Year's resolution. It's a simple, simple New Year's resolution, yet, it's a resolution that could bring about great change, commitment, and growth to all of our personal lives and be revolutionary for our whole church body, our whole church family. It's so simple. This is the last Sunday of 2018, and it's the perfect time for us to resolve to go forward on January 1st and make the new year an even better one. I don't care how fantastical, that's my grand word that I use with my grandchildren, how fantastical your 2018 was or how crummy it was. I hope it wasn't really crummy crummy, but just how whatever it was, this resolution will make it better. Now, quite frankly, I'm personally not one of those that make a resolution every year. I just don't. Probably because I see too many of those people who do, and they they don't. I'm not a bandwagon person. I see these fads come along, both in the church and out of the church, and I just am not a fad person, obviously. (laughs) I'm kind of like God. I don't change, I change not I kind of am what I am and I am who I am and what I was 10 years ago, you're probably going to find me 10 years from now Yeah. when you see me you'll say there she is again how did you know because I look Yeah. I just am who I am but I'm not a fad person I, I'm not into fad so I'm not into these big resolutions yeah if I didn't walk 25 miles last year I probably am not going to start tomorrow either, you know what I mean I, I am who I am but I like this resolution. I really think it came from God. I hope so because I'm up here teaching it. Oh God, please. If <laughs> He strikes me down, just have a good barbecue, okay? Um, to make it a simple New Year's resolution, I kept it short, sweet and to the point. Because that's me too. If you know me, blunt. That's it. Blunt. You get what you get. I wore my boots. Hope you did too. I've made it something meaningful, and that motivates me, so I hope it motivates you. I believe this resolution is something that should motivate each of us as a child of God, and I know that it's biblical. I know it's biblical, or else I wouldn't be teaching it. It's definitely the one thing that I need to be doing, so I pray that it's something that you need to be doing too. For me, a resolution is better if it's more of a concept. I don't do real good with hard, fast, yeah, marching orders. Thou shalt get up and run 1.5 miles every morning at 4.29 a.m. Yeah, no, I didn't make it in the Army. I never even tried to make it in the Army. Thou shalt eat no more than three teaspoons of salt in thine diet every month for the next... Yeah, no, it doesn't work for me. Those are way too specific and too confining, and I just more do well with the more general, interpretive, and then you apply it how it applies to your life. Because I think that that's how God, you know. So the resolution that I'm suggesting for us is this, to love God and to grow in our love for him more every day, every day in 2019. I'll give you time to write it down. Because I didn't fill that in for you. Because by writing it down, you're committing it to your personal memory bank. So to love God and to grow in our love for him, in my love for him, every day in 2019. Every day in 2019, I'm going to do something that causes me to grow in my love for God every day. And the second part of it is to grow in my love towards others. Every day I'm going to do something, consciously do something, that causes me to grow in my love towards others, consciously. Again, if you were at leadership this morning, it goes hand in glove. Hand in glove. It amazes me how God does that. God cares about us. God is drawing us. If we had a concept of God's love for us, if we had even an inkling of God's great love for us and what he wants to do for us and in us and through us, Wow, wow. When I sat there this morning and I looked down at Pastor's study sheet for our, for our leadership training, Pastor probably saw me in my notes and I was going, whoa, and I'd underlined something in here and he probably thought, pay attention to my lesson, and I was. But it was just amazing to me because he hadn't seen my notes and I hadn't seen his notes and yet here we are. And I'm just like, wow, God. Yes, we live in the same house. But we don't compare notes. But we have the same God that loves us all. We don't have an inkling. But yet love is a broad concept. And how I apply this resolution to my life is going to be totally different than how you apply it and how you apply it and how you apply it because each of us are individuals. And that's how our God is. also a motivational concept. I need to be motivated to know that the God of all creation loves me so much Then I need to be motivated in my love for him. Jesus tells us that the great commandment is to love God with all My heart, and I know it says your, all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. What do I commit all my heart to? What do I commit all my being, all my soul to? What do I commit my mind to? What do I commit my strength to? Think about it. What is your waking thought? What do you commit the majority of your time, your energy, your strength, your purpose to? That's what you love the most. Your husband, your children, your job, or your God. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then right after that, your neighbor. What did I do this week for other people? That determines how much I really love them. Christmas Day, how many people did I reach out to? That determines how much I love them. He says that there's no other commandments greater than these two. I tell my grandchildren all the time, you are so capable, you are so smart. You can be anything that you commit yourself to being. Anything. But none of it, nothing is greater than your love for God. If you don't love God first, then none of it means anything. It will mean nothing unless your love for God is greater than whatever it is you're doing in life. And I tell him and I mean that. If you don't keep your love for God first, you could be the president of the United States, and it will mean nothing. You could be a brain surgeon, and it will mean Nothing. You could marry, and it will mean nothing. If you don't keep your love for God first, nothing else matters. I tell him that. Matthew is five years old, and I tell him that. You keep your love for God first, and everything else is wonderful. But without him, it means nothing. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God first with all of your substance. I've got to love God more every day. I remember, and I told you this before, I remember I could take you back to the very spot on the steps in Germany where they handed me my first Sunday school quarterly to teach the preschool and kindergarten class. And Brother Brent and I said to me, Sister Pam, will you teach? Now, some people think that they're above teaching the three- and four-year-old class. And I said, Brother Brent, I don't think I'm capable. I don't think I'm worthy to teach them. I remember standing there. I remember when Sister Nye came to me and she said, Sister Pam, will you come and clean the bathrooms? Will you come and clean the church for us? I went out to my car and I wept. I said, oh, Jesus, I think I'm worthy to clean the bathrooms. Thank you, Jesus. I get to clean the church. Oh, God, I love you so much. I never want to lose my love for Jesus. I want to love him more today than I did yesterday. And I want to love him more tomorrow than I do today. I never want my love for my husband to grow cold. You have to do things to keep your love alive. You have to resolve. Love is a verb. It's not an adjective. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 3. 13, I mean, 4 through 8. It's not arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. Doesn't seek its own. Not provoked. Doesn't take into account wrong suffered. We think of all these things like it is things that we don't act that way towards other people. Love never fails. I need to be this way with Jesus. I need to be patient with him when he's working things out with me. I don't deserve that, God. Why are you being that way with me? He sees things in me that needs to be polished, need to be worked out in me. I deserve better than that, God. They think that all I can do is clean toilets around here. Who do they think they are? Asking her to do that. I should be able to do that. Arrogance. God hate to tell you folks. It doesn't seek its own way. It's not provoked. Go back and read 1 Corinthians 13. If we love God more, I'll be a better Christian. Yes, love is a broad concept. It's a concept easily applied to every life. Every Christian can and should love God more every day. Have you thought about the fact that you can love God more today than you did yesterday? In Paul's prayer for the Philippians, he revealed Philippians 1 and 9. That they could love God more. He prayed that their love would abound yet more and more. Their love was abounding. But he said abound yet more and more. It reads, and this I pray that your love abound, may, may abound yet more and more. How? In knowledge and in all judgment. We never are there. This Christian walk, we don't arrive I don't care if you have just walked in the door or if you are up here as an ordained minister. Just because you are there or there, you have not arrived. Beware that you think you stand lest you fall. You have not arrived until you get there. You are on, I am on a journey. And that, heaven, is my destination. And every day I need to be drawing closer and closer and closer to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. To rule and reign, to sit with him, is my final destination. There's never a time that I have arrived. And I need to be careful that I don't think that I have gotten there and sit on my laurels. There's never a time that I can't be drawing closer to him. In Paul's prayer for the Philippians, he prayed that their love would abound still more and more. Our love for God grows when we increase. Again, Pastor talked about in Second Peter. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself. Knowledge and discernment. A longing for the for God's word. We should have a longing for God's word. Do you love the word of God? I mean, do you have a love for the word of God? An experience, and I believe that we've told you of this experience, maybe it's been a long time ago since I related it. I should have pulled out the picture, but it's just coming back to me now to tell you about it. Um, when we went to Mongolia, the first time we went, we gave the, it's very traditional there that they're very much so that the men are the head of the house. Um, so much so that there's a place of honor that the father sits and then the, the oldest old, brother. Um, so it was very appropriate that pastor gave the Bibles. We had taken Bibles in the first trip um, and they had just come out of communist reign not too long before we had been there. And so the first trip in, we had taken Bibles. And so he gave a Bible to the eldest brother. And they were very happy to have an English Bible. Um, and the eldest brother read English. So the next time we came in, um, the eldest sister asked if we had a Bible. And we said, no, we were sorry we had not brought Bibles that trip. Because if you bring something too many times, then they could target you and mark you, even though they were an open country, they weren't that open. (laughs) And so they could have confiscated or marked us and then not allowed us back in the country, not for that reason, but they could have found a reason to not let us in. So the girl was, oh, she was so devastated that she had really wanted to have a Bible of her own to read. And the only Bible that we had, Pastor told her um, through our translator that the only Bibles we had were our own personal Bibles. Well, Pastor only had his huge mongo, you know, (laughs) ward off everything Thompson chain Bible with him. But I always traveled with my little travel Bible. Um, I'm not as buff as pastor, so I can't carry my five and a half pound Thompson chain with me everywhere I go. So I had my little travel Bible. And she was so broken hearted. So I told her through our translator that if she promised me that she would read the Bible, that I would give her my personal travel Bible. And I have a picture of her clutching this little travel Bible to her chest. And she's just embracing it. And she said, I have my own Bible. I have my own Bible. And I went, and I can still see that. And I thought, how many times do we cherish our Bible? Or are we so complacent because we have Bibles? Bibles are a dime a dozen in America. You can go into any bookstore and buy a Bible. But do we cherish our Bibles? And however many years later that it was, we went back and our last trip into Mongolia, she was baptized in Jesus' name. In our hotel room, she was our very last night and we got a knock on the door. So she did read her Bible and she was baptized in Jesus' name. But do we add? Do we add to our faith? Do we love the word? Do we long for the word? We need to love the word because God is the word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, John tells us. Um, Peter tells us that his newborn babes desire <clears throat> the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby in 1 Peter 2 and 2. And the psalmist puts it this way in Psalm forty one one. Um, and I specifically didn't put all the scriptures up there for you to read. You can write them down and go home and read them because I want you to develop, redevelop, that longing to go home and read your word. Our theme, our, our ongoing theme next year is growing. and We need to regrow in our love for the word. That's one of the things. Um, get back into the word. Not that you're not in the word, but get into it more. Um, but the psalmist puts it this way. As the heart panteth after the water brook, so, my soul, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Do we pant after the word of God? Do we get so thirsty for the word of God? Excuse me? I'm sorry. I have a typo. 42.1. Sorry. 42.1. I, I have a typo. Thank you, Pastor. Psalm 421. See, that was your, no, it wasn't a test. It's just a typo. Um, do you actually pant? After the word of God, do you get so thirsty for the word of God that you, have to, that you have to have it? You know, there's times when you can drink a soda, you can drink juice, you can drink milk, you can drink your coffee, you can drink whatever. But then there's time that you just have to have the water. Nothing else will quench your thirst. Well, there's times when you can read a lot of stuff, but there's times when you just have to have the word. When we give diligence to the word of God, we grow. And Second Peter 2, 1 tells us to give diligence and to add to our faith, virtue, temperance, patience, godliness, kind, brotherly kindness, charity. And then there again, that if these things are in you and abound, there's that word abound again, then we're going to not be barren or unfruitful. We must grow through his word. We can never have enough of the word because the word is God. When we're in the word, we're falling in love with him again. It's giving us that freshness with him. It's sitting down and conversing with God. He's talking to me. It's the way that I, that I hear from him. So we grow in him. It's never, it is through the word that we come to know God. Be still and know that I am God. Shut your mouth. Zip it. Listen to me. Fall in love with me. It is through the word that we become rooted and grounded in love. It's through the word that Christ will dwell in my heart. We must resolve to love the word more and more every day. I can't go a day without the word. I can go, I could care less about eating. It just isn't at the top of the priority list. Oh, yeah, I forgot to eat today. It just doesn't matter to me. Oh, yeah, I forgot yesterday too. No big deal. But I got to have the word. Get up, get the cup of coffee, go to the chair. Got to have the word. Can't forget that. The day's just not right without the word. Ephesians 3.17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Ephesians 3.17, resolve to love God more. And you're going to enjoy a life of obedience. Do you know why our world is so much without obedience? People don't love God. obedience goes hand in hand with a love for God. And here's your scripture to back it up. 1 John 5 and 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. If you love God, you will keep the word. And they won't be a burden. Now, I love measuring stuff. I brought some of my favorite tools just to show you. I'm never without these three things. This one is in my craft area. I am never without this. No one in my home touches this but me. No one touches any of these three things but me. I use this in my craft area. It's in the drawer right here. It's always right here in my drawer. I can pull the drawer open. I can reach it and grab it. Never do I not know where this is. If it's not there, someone is in big trouble. No one touches this. It's always right there. I I love it. It's my measurer. You measure, you know just exactly. It's my measurer. This is always in my sewing room. You measure, you know how long the skirts should be. You know a waist, how big the elastic. It's my tape measure for my sewing room. It's always right in that plastic bucket. I know right where it is. It's always there. Used to be. This one is always in my purse. Yesterday I was in a panic, wasn't I? I went to get it out to measure a little dress for Kayla Gracie to see was it long enough to cover her little chubby knees. It was not. The dress is still in the store because it was too short. But this is always in my purse in the little pouch zipped in there safe. It was not put back where it belonged. I was in a panic. I thought I lost it. But I love my tape measure in my purse. It's always right there for me. I love my measuring tools. I like measuring tools. I like things to be exact. Measuring is important to me. Well that scripture, that first John five three, is an easy measuring tool. I know if my love see, you go, sister. Woohoo! Birds of a feather, we flock together. <laughs> She's got a hot pink one. You go, girl. <laughs> Her skirts will never be too short there. She go measure that puppy and say, Yep, it's thirty two inches. We're good to go. Um, <laughs> love it so this scripture is like a measuring tape or a ruler to me I can use it to measure my spiritual state my love for God because it tells me that if the commandments of God this first John 5 3 if the commandments of God are starting to become a burden to me then my love for God is starting to grow cold now that's my interpretation If it doesn't apply to you, go get your own measuring tape. Fine. It may be off by a quarter of an inch, but that's your problem, not mine. This is just for me. If God's commandments are becoming burdensome and grievous to me, I need to check my love level. Because that scripture reads, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So if his commandments are a burden to me, I need to check my love level for God. If it's not measuring up to ten and a half inches, if that's starting to weigh heavy on me, how much do I really love God? Well, I just don't see why I really have to do that. I don't know why pastor thinks it's so important to... Really, I mean, come on. Really, maybe I better go find an altar and get back in love with Jesus a little bit more. That's just for me. The more I love God, the more I will desire to please him. The more I love God, the more of his word I will desire to keep. The more I love God, the, more, the less I will question his word. The more obedient I will be to those in authority. Because the Bible says obedience is always better. The more we love God. So that scripture to me is a measuring stick for me. When we love God more this year, then the more time we will spend serving him with a joyful heart. The more Bible studies we will teach, the more shut-ins we will visit, the more acts of kindness we will do in his name, the more of his word we will read, the more we will grow in knowledge, the more grace we'll show, the more we'll submit to authority over us, the more obedient we'll desire to be. The The fewer mistakes we'll make, the better attitude we'll display. It's really quite a simple New Year's resolution. Love God more. Have you consciously thought, have you ever consciously thought about loving God more? Because that's what a resolution is. It's a firm decision to do or to not do something. The old saying goes, if you aim for nothing, you're sure to hit it. So if you don't consciously think about loving God more, then you won't. You'll just stay either at status quo or you'll slip into less. Normally, if we don't consciously do something, we start to wane in the other direction. If I don't consciously think about being more polite to people, I become less polite. If I don't consciously think about cleaning my house, my house doesn't get cleaned. If I don't consciously think about, you fill in the blank. Well, if I don't consciously think about loving God, then I'm not going to. If you do not resolve, firmly decide to love, actively seek and draw closer to God, then you will not. This is important. I mean, this is really important because this is the crux of the matter. This is the nuts and bolts. So in preparation for the new year, I'd like us to spend time today and tomorrow doing just that, asking ourselves, each of us individually, what can I do to draw closer to God in 2019? How can I? Can I spend 23 and a half hours in prayer every day? Yeah, no, probably not. So, I mean, set realistic expectations upon yourself. Because if you don't have an aim, you're not going to hit it. If you don't have a goal, you're not going to hit the target. What can you do to improve your knowledge of God's Word? Okay, so you read your Bible through this year. Did you absorb the Word while you read it? Did you take sermon notes this year? Did you go home and look up the Scripture references afterwards? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God and your neighbor as yourself. Did you call visitors this year? Did you contact any visitors this year? Just an idea. Get with pastor and talk to him about that. I mean, what can you you do? What can I do? To love him more, and thy neighbor is thyself. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, 16, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Whoa. What? I have lots of typos. I am so sorry. Oh, 55, 7. Pastor's my thesaurus today. I am so sorry. My brain is like... Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Which verse is it? 7. 1 and 6 is 7. There you go. There you go. I am so sorry. 55, six. I don't know how, maybe I had a 1-6 in there and I took it out. 55, six. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. I'm concerned for me that I would never want to not seek the Lord while I can. And then there comes a time when I go to seek him. Have you ever knocked at somebody's door and then they're not home? And how disappointing is that? And then you think, man, I wonder if I'd have come 10 minutes earlier if they'd have been there. I only get one chance to live every day. And I want to make the most of that chance to draw closer to God. Whether you were thinking about making a resolution or not, setting a goal or not, there is not a person sitting here today that cannot and should not want to draw closer to God and love him more on December 31st of 2019 than they do on January 1st of 2019. Proverbs 8.17, I'm not there yet. I hope that's the right scripture, says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall find me. Jeremiah says, and ye shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So it's a whole heart issue again. Imagine how much closer we will be to the Lord if we resolve to search for him with all our heart every day in 2019. My foundational scripture for my whole Christian walk has been Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That is what I'm going to do in 2019, is seek my one thing. Enjoy your break. I even gave you an extra 4 minutes.